Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Flyers are gearing up for training camp. We are about 38 days away from the first game of the regular season. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 122. Happy Labor Day if you're listening on Monday at the time of this release. It is the official, unofficial end of summer, I should say, and a guy that's probably... Counting down the days for when his children are in school, because that's got to be a glorious day. Scott Weinhardt, what's going on, brother? Four. Four <laughs> days left. Yeah. Actually, three, because they start back on Thursday. So, yeah. and not so much my, uh, me, but my, my wife is very much looking forward to that, you know, yeah. summer ending. She's uh, uh, at the end of her rope, <laughs> to put it mildly. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I have a, I have a five-year-old now and a three-year-old and a three-year-old starting school, and he's, um, he's a bull, so he's very difficult to handle sometimes. So, yep. uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's ready to get going. We're ready to get going, and yeah, we're, we're pumped for it. Now, did you guys do, like, obviously, we're at the end of the summer. We were delayed here a little bit because I was on vacation for the last, I was down in the Jersey Shore experience, getting in the last days of summer for my wife goes back to school as a teacher. Um, did you, did you guys do anything? What did you guys, what did you, because I'm leading into, a, I'm leading you into a question I have because my wife and I get in an argument every time we get back from vacation. Uh, okay. Do you guys go anywhere? Yeah, absolutely. We went a couple of places this summer. Uh, uh, this past week, not this past week, the one before, we went down to the Ocean City for a couple of days in New Jersey. Oh, nice. Yeah, took the kids on that. Got a great photo of my son and I on a roller coaster. He's completely like freaked out on it. It's great. We had a blast on it. You know, I took him down to the beach, went in the water, did played a bunch of the arcade stuff on the boardwalk. They, they had a blast, man. They were worn out afterwards. Now, the first thing that you as a dad uh-huh. do when you guys get home, the kids are out of the car, the Jen's out of the car. You guys are in the house. You're not totally settled, but you're settled for the most part. What's the first thing you are doing? Uh, probably unpacking and getting Thank laundry you. done. Thank you. Yeah. My wife will now live out of that suitcase that she used to go down to Wildwood for the next two months. Or, you know, no, actually, that's a lie because we're going on another vacation that we that we planned for the end of this month. So we're, we're kind of double dipping here for the end of the summer vacations. But... She will not unpack that suitcase until that vacation is over, which that I think is, is psychotic. That that is that is not normal. That is no, it's not. <laughs> no. Definitely not. But apparently you know, it is. Like I've gotten in serious arguments with people. Like, oh no, I like I I, don't, I take my time unpacking. I don't care. It's not that big a deal to me. I think like I did it right before the time of this recording. I I, you I, know, I, I can't live out of a suitcase. No, I and see, I kind of unpack like you know, my wife will, will, you know, I'm not allowed to touch, do the laundry half the well, time because apparently yeah. you're not allowed to put things in the dryer. You know, I don't know why we have one, but that's always the question in this household. <laughs> that's not supposed to go in the dryer. It's yeah. the same thing. Nothing's not supposed that. to go in the dishwasher. Why am I not supposed to put things in the dishwasher? It's a dishwasher. Yeah, I don't understand it. The dryer, I'm not allowed to touch it sometimes, the except for when I watch my hockey stuff. less sense. The dryer not being used makes less sense than the dishwasher. Like, there's some stuff that we know is not dishwasher safe. Like, that's well, fine. I, for, uh, the let's most see, part, for the most part, everything is dryer safe. Wait, wait, wait. Wise. Well, apparently things shrink and then you put them in the dryer. That's yeah, what 
Apparently. That's that's what I've been told. So a lot of my clothes hang up. But I never understood the dishwasher part. I just never understood. Like, (laughs) why can't everything? It's a dishwasher. I don't understand. And you're still putting it under hot water if you're washing it in the sink and let them out to dry. It's going into a machine. It takes less time to do it. I just never understand. So I'm not going to touch either of those two appliances, which that's fine with me because I take care of the lawn. I mow the lawn. I take the trash out. You know, I I change the litter box. I do all that stuff. I just don't understand the dishwasher. But anyway, I digress. I go back to the point about the suitcases. Now, we we generally, when we came back from vacation with the laundry, we get done all right away, get it all done and out of the way, the way of clean clothes and stuff. Yeah. I will say sometimes what happens when we go with suitcases, the suitcases can sit around for a little bit. Uh, They don't go right away. And after a while, like probably the next week, I would be like, oh, shit, we got to put these away. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, for the most part, we generally try to unpack everything. But the suitcase is empty or are you saying you live out of that suitcase for a few days? No, no, no. I don't live out of it like i might keep things in my toiletry bag for like that couple of days yes. and be like oh wait i forgot to take that out of some yep. using it again i take it out again i don't just hey yep. let me take it yeah but generally i try to take everything out of the suitcase i don't want to sit around you know yep. one way or the other Makes so sense. yeah so yeah she doesn't I, do that no she doesn't she just she just lives out of it for that's, a couple of weeks that's that's a little little odd a little, a little odd, odd but i love her for it so odd. what can now, i say listen our wives, that's the thing about having it. For those out there who don't have a wife, okay, there's two <laughs> things, all right? First of all, happy wife, happy life. And she's sitting, she's standing right there giving me dirty ass looks right now. So I better <laughs> better make sure I'm saying the right things. So, um, but also you have to take the good with the bad, you know, pick your battles, you know what I mean? Exactly. Over like a little suitcase thing like that. If she's not unpacking her suitcase right away and, and living out of it, that's not a battle to pick up. The no. dishwasher. Oh, that's a goddamn war. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's like, well, how come you don't touch it? I'm not allowed to touch the dishwasher. Everything I put in there. You're not supposed to put this in there. You're not supposed to put that in there. Then why do we have it? Yeah, that's a fair question. Uh, it is. However, th- the other uh, thing that I'm wondering is, do the do the players that showed up for the Flyers that early before training camp even started that have showed up in Voorhees at the Flyer Skate Zone have they are they living out of their suitcase? Or are they actually finally back in their living arrangements for Philadelphia? Because I got to tell you, Scott. It's a good sign to me. And two weeks ago, three and a half weeks ago, whatever it was when we, when we did episode 121, when I was saying I, I'm very low expectation for this season. I mean, it's the little things that I'm going to run with and hope for the best with. And that's one of these things where you see a plethora of of veterans from Ivan Provorov to Wade Allison and everything in between, including Travis Konechny, Cam Atkinson, uh, Zach McEwen, Rasmussen Ristolainen, Nick Delorier, the new guy, Tony D'Angelo, the new guy. Like they're already here practicing on the ice, getting ready. Uh, obviously, the big name not there is Ryan Ellis because we have no idea what's going to be the status of him. We're expecting him not to play in the season at the start, at least. Um, but like. The fact that even like guys like Tyson Forrester are there, the the I would imagine the the one guy that is the favorite to make the team, not make the team, but like make a couple of NHL, probably make his NHL debut this year at some point. Hopefully, uh, I think he's a long shot to make the opening day roster, but he could make some noise, especially coming off that shoulder injury. Um, but just to see that these guys are back on the ice already. I think it's three weeks, maybe two and a half weeks now before official training camp starts. Like that's a great sign for what they're expecting. They're trying to turn the page on 21, 22 under a new coach in, in Tortorella. Uh, I I think it's nothing but good things that they're, they're already here uh, to say the least. I, I look, I love the fact that there's a ton of players there already. It, it, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying there. I think it turned, they, they're looking to turn the page, looking for a fresh start. And listen, they've got something to prove, not only to themselves, but to a brand new coach as well. There's a lot of guys here are really going to be fighting for, for ice time as far as some of the younger guys trying to push the older guys in the lineup. And, and I, that's why I maintain that I just. Everybody I talk to, everybody I talk to, and you might want to grab this clip because one way or another, I'm either going to eat crow or it's going to be I told you so. But straight up, I'm telling you, this team is going to be better than people think. Mm-hmm. And, and this and this shows it because you already have guys who are absolutely dedicated to come into camp early to really get going, to really get to start bonding together as a team. 
you look at everywhere, everybody's counting them out. They're going to be a lottery team. They're going to be top bottom five. They're going to be in, you know, that chance for uh, Connor Bernard. Or they're going to have. I'm not buying that, man. I just. And, and it starts with this. The first thing you need to do is when you have a team is you need to build that team concept. That's the first thing you need to do. You need to start working together as a team off the ice. You mm-hmm. need to become friendly with each other. You need to come work with each other. You know, you need to know how, know how everybody clicks. You have to build that that tightness, that family that's inside a, a hockey locker room that, you know, throughout all levels. And you need that first before anything. You need to build that brotherhood. And you start by doing that by coming in early and showing like, hey, man, like, you know, nobody there. This tells me that they're pushing each other already. Yeah, that every there's a lot of big names here. Couturier, Hayes, Kandekny, you know, um, Provorov and, and some young. Like you mentioned the young guy, so like a guy like Zach McEwen, who's going to be important. You know, you're going to have Nick Delore, who's going to be important. Rasmus Ristolainen. All these guys have something to prove and say, hey, look, you know what? Last year was a fluke. We know we're better than this. Yeah. And we're going to prove to people. I'm curious, like if let's say under a, a, an, a bizarre world where the new coach doesn't happen and they just say, let's ride it out with Mike Yo. He turned the team around to some extent. Like The players clearly respected him, um, but you needed the change of the scenery at the end of the day. But in the alternate world under the scenario of Mike Yo is still the head coach, Tortorella is still in retirement at ESPN, whatever you want to call it. And I, I don't think you get the same result. I think they just kind of limp in here two two weeks from now. It's just saying, okay, it's another season. Uh, we did a few changes. It's Mike Yo, but we respect him. But it doesn't feel it doesn't feel the same whatsoever. I think they're fired up under Tortorella. And again, that's the point that we talked about last week or uh, two weeks ago when we said he was the big signing, quote unquote, for this roster this year or for this off season. It wasn't going to be uh, Johnny Hockey. It was uh, it was no, nobody. Like that, it was Tortorella, and we missed this last uh, the last episode. He uh, Tortorella did an, uh, an article with NHL.com, and the first question he asked is is asked in this is, "Do you think the players have an understanding of what is going to happen in camp?" And he immediately said, "No, I, they have no idea what what they're in for." And that's not a detriment to what they've been through in the past. They just don't know my system. Basically, is what he's saying. Like he doesn't know the physical and mental challenges he's going to put these guys through. Yeah, and. To see them showing up this early already, it indicates like whatever challenges Tortorella has for us, we're ready for it. And that that should get any Flyers fan jacked up, basically. Like you shouldn't be disappointed by something like this. Like I'm actually positive about it after all of the negativity I've been talking about for the last couple of weeks and months here uh, since the season ended back in, in really, I mean, December, but at the end of the year in April. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, looking at that article, too. You know, the one thing, the key thing here is there's one player on this team who really played for for Tortorella. Yeah, that's Cam Atkinson. So Cam knows what to expect. Yeah. So I would be surprised at all. He's saying like, hey, guys, you you might want to get in here a little early because he's going to push you a little bit. And I think that's that's a really good thing, because here's the criticism that's been with the organization for years. They're always saying, oh, my goodness, they always change the coach and never get the same thing. It's in it or they're the players. They know we, we it's the one. Pl- OK, here's the big kicker. And I talked about it in the last episode. I'm not going to try to sound like a broken record. This is the first year since 2009 that the Flyers will not have Claude Giroux on their roster. Yeah. Somebody needs to fill that hole, not so much from the skills point and not so much on the ice, but from the locker room standpoint, it is a makeover. It's like literally when Carter and Richards were traded and they transitioned over to Giroux. This is the same thing. Now it's it's different. It's not about the players on the ice, because instead of having one player and being like, wow, that's the guy. He's our star, all that stuff. They're looking and saying. Look, the only way they're going to be competitive is to play as a team. And I bet you 10 to 1 with with Atkinson telling the team, like, guys, you don't know what to expect. You want to get in here. He's going to push you. And since the day he was hired, Tortorella has been saying how hard this camp is going to be for them. And that's good because yeah. you need to push him out of this comfort zone because whatever was work was doing what they were doing before with any other coach, it wasn't working. And if, if there's any coach that should be entrusted enough to get the most out of the talent that's here, it's John Tortorella. And and the reason why 
It's because not because he won a Stanley Cup 18 years ago. It's because he's done it with his track record with a couple different teams. You have an average team like Columbus who was had him. He had him constantly pushing for a playoff spot, a five playoff overtime against the eventual Stanley Cup champion. It swept them in the first playoff year when he played him. The, the, the President's Trophy champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, you wind up sweeping them in the first round. And then you get to, I think, game six or seven of the second round against Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, you have an ability there where if you get the right people, a right person behind the bench, you know, mold them together. If you got to go the Herb Brooks style where it's us versus him, that sort of thing, whatever, yeah. it, it, there is motivation there. And that is more dangerous than having just a glutton of talent on your roster. Because if a glutton of talent on the roster, if you want to focus on that, then look at Toronto. They have not won a playoff series. They've been they've lost six straight playoff series in the first round. They have not gotten to the second round of the playoffs since 2004. That's 18 years. So you want to sit here and talk about all oh, their talent level on this roster. Also, no, playing as a team is much more dangerous than having a couple guys who can score on your team. That's it, and, and yeah. it's the truth. It it is the truth, and it just seems like, and they've been kind of mum on this, and I think it's been intentional that they've been quiet on it. But like, there's no indication of this team having a captain this year, but I think like Cam Atkinson is the odds on favorite. If I haven't looked at what the odds makers are saying, DraftKings, FanDuel, whoever, but like it it just makes sense that Cam makes that leap, quote unquote. Like we've talked about it time and time again, how the captaincy in, in the NHL is, is more of a ceremonial thing. You are allowed to talk to the refs compared to anyone else. But like, for a situation like this, where you are trying to dig your team out of the depths of hell, basically, like literally the depths of hell, you're talking about a roster that uh, didn't go through a turnover because you you didn't make huge turnover acquisitions. But like with the acquisition, when you're bringing in a guy like John Tortorella, you are going through a mental change that you haven't seen Correct. in 20 years like it, it's been a lot in fit 10 years i mean sorry for the terrible math like it, it it's been la violette like it hasn't been that because la violette pushed you 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 came in and you knew what you had to do to get the job done that day if he hadn't taken that time out in 2010 uh down three nothing in the game seven against boston who the hell knows what have happened it's very few people that have the ability to do what Tortorella and Laviolette can do. Now the 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 difference maker is and we've talked about this also is Laviolette is the guy that is the push you over the edge guy. Like you're on the cusp of making it in the playoffs, making a deep playoff run and you just need that final push and Laviolette gets you there and he lasts 3 4 years and then he's out. This feels different because you're talking about a coach that does that same thing but is digging you out of it. Like he's starting yeah. at the bottom yeah. and trying to work your way up. And that's yeah. a totally different thing. And that's going to require a lot of patience from Flyers fans, including myself. Like I'm going to have to, like I'm, you're going to have to go in that mindset of uh, 2012 Sixers, basically, where you knew what they were doing. You knew what they, they were tanking. But in this scenario, you're just kind of, uh, you're going to go through growing pains in trying to see what the Flyers have because the talent could be there. It's just a matter of execution at this point. Agreed. And look, everybody has their rotations about how they do for the league. Like Tampa was very bad for a long time. And all of a sudden, they've been the one of the most consistent teams. They remind me a lot of those Detroit teams from the 90s. Yeah. And the reason why is because Detroit went through a lot of years where they didn't have a whole lot of talent. And all of a sudden, they got better and better and better added some right pieces, and they were good for a long time, up until probably, I would say, about four years ago. Mm-hmm. Really, they were they were good from really the mid-90s until about four years ago. Um, I'm probably, for the most part, when Pavel Datsuk retired, so that probably even a little longer than that. But still, yeah. that's the point, is that they, they were they, good for over a decade. Pretty sure they had the longest playoff streak for any team outside of the – because the Flyers had it for a long time, like 22 yeah. years, straight years or they whatever. made and it did, for a real long time, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would say from the mid-90s up until, you know, every year they were threat to go to the final. They yeah. just Yeah. But, like, you know, for instance, you know, you, you, look, you look at this team and in general of, of what to expect – you know, every team has gone through that growing pain you're talking about. Like a Carolina, Carolina is really good now. They have a lot of skill, but they had to do a lot of years where they were average or below average. Or, you know, 
get into the playoffs and then they make a, a, a Cinderella run and get, you know, clipped out in the later rounds. And, you know, Washington was the same way for a while, too. Till they finally got the job done. San Jose is a great story of that. San Jose was a team that's good and consistent for so many years and just could never get it done in the playoffs, get in. And they had the, but they had consistency behind the bench too. So, I mean, it's, I, I look, the, the key is to expect from this is that I know a lot of people are, should go in and, you know, for low expectations, you know, expect the worst, but hope for the best. Okay. That's fair. I, I, I completely understand that if you're an average fan, diehards, I can see that too. Be like, oh man, this roster's crap. They're going through early, you know, they're, they're starting over they The aggressive rebuild didn't work, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You're hanging on a few words there. But if you really take a step back and remove the emotion out of it, which I think a lot of people have in this, which is fair. I mean, it's, you know, we're, you know, people have the passion for it. But if you look at this and look at it from a from a just a hockey perspective, just if, look at the game as a whole. Look at a guy like, OK, a team that two seasons ago before COVID hit were playing very well. They go into the COVID bubble. They went around. They take they were down three one against the honors battle back to game seven. Following year, COVID hits. They lose half their roster to COVID at one point. Yeah, that was really early, behind the. That was early on too. That was February yeah, of twenty twenty one, I believe. They just never got the ball rolling again. They had fallen behind the eight ball so badly, and not having the tool as far as the fact of a surprise retirement for one of their top defensemen. Yep. Really, really, and a team with the and with flat cap and with the flat cap error, people didn't want to make moves. So it's not like they didn't try. Okay, they go back and reset. You know, let's run it back this year and see what happens. Early on, you start to see like, okay, it's something's still not off here. Something's not right, whatever it is. And then you go and you had Ryan Ellis like, okay, he's going to fix our problem. It's going to be on the ice. It's going to make us better. Well, four games, that's it. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts dropping like flies. You know, they go out to the West Coast. They didn't have Carter Hart there for a while. They have some of their players. They got really behind the eight ball again. They just never recovered. You're going to sit there and tell me, and I know everybody harps on like, oh, they played well for two weeks in 2020. No, they were playing well. Up Everywhere they got blown up by Pittsburgh 7-1 early in the year, they started playing much better. Yes. Besides that little hiccup on the West Coast <laughs> that they had at the end of the calendar year in if 2019, they were playing that, well. If you go back to that episode that we did post 7-1 loss to Pittsburgh, <laughs> like you were more adamant. I think I was, I, I think I was on the same side as you, but not as adamant about it. But like everyone just needed to calm the F down after that yeah. disappointing yeah. loss. Exactly. And then look what happened. They, they finally got it together around Christmas time. And then they were a contender up until the stoppage in March. Correct. And they probably would have fared better in the playoffs if the season had continued uninterrupted by a global pandemic. But you can't yeah. pick your battles when you when Correct. you have a global pandemic on your hand. Correct. And, and, and the point I'm trying to make is that this is still generally the same roster with, yeah. with some upgrades in certain areas. Now, look, I think the but I think of Tony- also if, I think you can argue a few downgrades in some areas too that were on or question marks i should say at the very best fair enough uh, like I think I, I, that's, that's yeah th- that's completely fair tony d'angelo for everybody is going to be a question mark not so much for on the ice but off the ice yep. everybody wants to focus up on the Ryan ice Ellis with whatever the hell is going on in his pelvic region his Correct. groin whatever but if the he hell, comes like if just, he comes back you got a log jam a defense okay. which is a good problem to have i i understand it's a log jam but like when we're talking about it it sounds like did we hear the word degenerative did, or did we just say that? Uh, I heard the word degenerative. So, like, if we're talking that kind of injury, let's say Ryan Ellis does have the ability to come back. It's going to be like Pronger 2012, 20, mm. uh, whatever his last season was here. Like, it's mm. going to come back for a little bit, and then you're going to be able to clearly tell this guy's not the same and the guy we intended to sign. Like, that is – when I hear degen- degenerative – like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, it's, he's not going to be the guy. It's like the big free agency signing you sign, see in baseball or hot basketball. And you're like, holy crap, this guy's making X amount of dollars. He's going to be a great player. And you find out, oh, he just wanted the money and he's going to lay an egg and not really be uh, contrib- contribute- con- contributing to the team like you wanted him to. Not saying that Ryan Ellis is, is doing that. He taught, is doing it for the money. I think it's just an injury-related thing that, like, is causing him to have a reputable harm against him. No, I mean, you know what? We can't speculate on that. We don't know. And I, I'm honestly like you. We I can't know, but it's been a mystery. Like the point right. is, 
But All I'm trying right. to say is like the point that I'm making is like this has been a mystery injury for a year plus now it feels like like a year little elk coming up on a year but and we haven't really gotten answers like we had that one weird press conference with where Ryan Ellis did attend and he fielded a lot of questions credit to him um, where they said he explicitly said they know what the problem is and we're going to get it fixed and then two months later, three months later, whatever it was after uh, the draft or free agency, whatever the case might have been, uh, Chuck Fletcher comes out and says, oh, yeah, we're still unsure if if Ryan Ellis is going to be ready for the start of the season. He's still where he should be in his rehab process, but he's not close. So, like, it's it's a very – look, is it a good thing if Ryan Ellis comes back uh, healthy for the season by – call it december yeah it's a great thing but yeah, it also might a, be a really really bad thing it, it could be it depends we'll have to wait and see i mean look i mean i the point i'm trying to make is that you expect a guy like cam york to step up this year you really expect mm-hmm. that you know i'm not too concerned about ellis for two reasons one you can keep him ltir probably for as long as you need to considering the situation you have a steady defense there it, the questions we're going to be on for later on the season to the to next season it's going to be about what you do with sandheim and that's gonna be that's gonna be the question. But I, I think we're we're way ahead of the eight ball on that. The only point I was trying to make is that if you have a guy like Ryan Ellis come back at some point this season when you already have, you know, Provorov and D'Angelo and 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 Sandheim and Ristolainen and Cam York and you know, you have Justin Braun back there again who, you know, can play a, a good six for you. It, that makes your team better, and especially yeah. offensively, because that's what his strength is. But still, it, you know, it could help too. Because what happens if one of those guys gets hurt? You know what I mean? And, and that's when you start having problems. Every team goes through injuries, but you know, you can't have the Angelo get hurt, otherwise, you're right back in the same problem as you were the year before. Um, overall, though, going back to my original point, this is where when you look at this roster, look at this team, you know. You stay patient, but at the same time, I don't expect that they're just going to be terrible. I, I don't I don't think they're good. I don't think they're I don't think they're a lottery team. I I think this team is still going to push for a playoff spot. I, I'm nuts. I think wild, last like team, a, a wild card. Yes. Or a, yeah. Yes. A wild let's, card. Let's they're going to push for the wild card. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're top three in the division. I don't look. I think the Rangers are. I don't know. I don't think the Rangers are going to repeat what they did last year. They'd be asking mm-hmm. Shesterkin to play exactly the same way. I don't know if that's possible. Um, they didn't score a lot of goals and they gave up a lot of shots. Like as far as like they're, you know, Shesterkin helped them through that season. So sure. if, if if that's a problem, if anything happens to him or if his game takes a step back, you know, do you expect Chris Kreider to be have the same? You know, Mika Zibanejad, um to to repeat their seasons. Um, that's the question mark. Pittsburgh. Listen, you have Crosby and you have Malkin, but at some point, when does Father Time catch up with them? And that's the yeah. thing that you've got three centers now over the age of thirty-five. I just think with you know, which is good, but you, and then you still have Tristan Jari in goal. Like he'll win you games, but they're going to take you deep into the playoffs. I mean, that's a question mark. I think that Pittsburgh, although Pittsburgh, you're not going to be out of the playoff race with Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. I still think that that's going to be an interesting dynamic out there. Um, Carolina is the best, most talented team in in the division. No question in my mind. They, they have the chance probably to run away with it again. But the other question mark, too, that I have when it comes to this division is uh, Washington. I mean, yes, they have Peter Laviolette, who gets the most out of his players, but that's an aging roster, and they score a lot mm-hmm. of goals. They're going and they got Darcy Kemper in goal now, who just won a Stanley Cup of Colorado. Is Kemper a long-term fix there? I don't know. They, you know, they, I, I don't know. I think that that's a team that could probably disappoint this year. I, I just, I don't know. I feel at some point Washington doesn't have enough on their roster to really be like I, I competitive think, every in, in the top three in the division there again. Yeah, I, I'm almost at the point with Washington where they're more on ovechkin watch than anything like the goal scoring uh record than anything else like that's really how high can it go what will who will how many more people will he beat um 
goal scoring. I do want to obviously we be, to be specific here. Obviously, he's not going to beat the points record. No, 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 not <laughs> even anytime close. soon. Nobody's no. going. But I, I also think you're we're forgetting Columbus. Like they just signed the best um, uh, free agent on the on the market in Johnny Gaudreau. After the Flyers failed and laid an egg on to try and get him, but like whatever, uh, we've debated <laughs> that until the cows come. I had to throw it in there. I did. You know how Still I go. Still sour about it. So uh, yeah, I think Columbus is going to be a big problem because uh, Johnny Gaudreau has uh, made his money and, and now is looking to prove something coming off a hundred plus point season. I think. Uh, I think it just makes sense that they're going to be a problem. I, I just. I really like Johnny Gaudreau's name and or Listen, game and, and go from there. I I don't disagree with you as far as I think they're going to be improved. I do. I think they're going to be an improved team. Mm-hmm. My issue is that I don't think they have enough up the middle. I just yeah. and defensively, I think they're a little weak. Now, listen, they have talent on their wings. They have Johnny Gaudreau. They have Patrick Line and they have Jake Voracek. They're going to be solid. OK. They have Zach Rowenski on their uh, as a defenseman, uh, Erica Branson, um, you know, and they have decent centers and Cole Sillinger and uh, who played well last year and and Boone Jenner, who's been reliable for a long time. The question is on their back end and their goaltending, can it make up? Or Elvis Rose Lincolns has not been consistent. There are some games where, where was, I was there at one of the press box and the Flyers played Columbus near the end of the season, and he looked like an all-world goaltender. And then the next game, he can go out and lay an egg. I don't think that that roster is consistent enough to really make a, like a, a threat for a top three in the division, but I think they have a chance um, to, to play well um i just don't know if they have enough i I just that that and the same thing with the new jersey devils like you know you have you have jack hughes you have some good talent on that roster i just don't know if they haven't been able to put it together yet they they're in a weird boat because they they're younger than the flyers are but yet they have not been able to put it together with some good talent there so It's the most competitive, and I was actually talking to somebody about this the other day. It's the most competitive division in the NHL by far. And, like, the the rosters in there are really built to go against each other. So the Flyers' big thing is that, like, for instance, they have to look across the other division and really keep pace with them because I think a team that's really going to take a step back this season is Boston. I just think Boston is really a team that they're on on their back end, on the back nine for sure, right there with Washington. So, of course, you have the top three in that division. You're going to have uh, Tampa, Toronto, and um, probably Detroit's going to be improved this year. Um, but if if uh, yeah. you can keep pace and stay ahead of a team like Boston, you have a chance of really pulling out, a chance to get into that wild card. And I think that's what it comes down to. It's just the divisional games are going to be more impactful this year than they are in years past. Like, every game going to the Garden you know, that's going to be almost like a playoff type game. That's going to how big it is for this team. Anytime the Rangers come in the building, anytime Carolina comes in the building, those are big games for the Flyers. They they cannot afford to have a crappy divisional record because that's the only way they're going to keep pace. So, yes, every game is important. You play 82 of them in a season. But this division is going to be a flat out war because I think every team got better in its own right. And I still think there's enough talent in this division where it can get questioning, but the question it's really going to come down to this. It's going to come down to one thing. How much better can John Tortorella make this team versus a division? I, I think he can make them a lot better than what's out there right now. Yeah, and and getting butts and seats is the fly, probably one of the top priorities that the Flyers are trying to do this year. And I want to conclude on this for this week, like. Their their ultimate objective is to get butts back in seats. We saw it towards the end of the season after we were able to be privileged enough to get it to the press row. I mean, the fans just abandoned this team. They, there's no yep. way around it. They completely abandoned this team. You saw it night in and night out. They tried to get fans back in by listening to season ticket holders uh, on how to improve the fan experience. This year, I don't know. Did you see this, Scott? The Flyers fly Flyers pass. It's yes. basically a guarantee of four games, $99 for a single ticket, but you're getting four games. It's basically a season ticket package. Like that's really because it, it yeah. auto renews for each month, but you have select games for four games out of, I think, five. I, I can't remember if there's a set amount or like so on and so forth. But here's the here's the interesting part about this package uh, that the Flyers put together. So it's ninety nine dollars for four games. Doesn't matter where you're sitting. You don't know where you're sitting until 72 hours before the game, 
when they send you your ticket. So it's like a lottery uh, almost of where you're going to be able to sit. You you could sit as high as the assembly room, which is basically where press row is, as mm-hmm. high as there, or you could be in the lower bowl. If you get a lower bowl seat for one of these games at $99 for all four, that's great value because that's around yeah. the, the price of the, the ticket. Yeah. If I'm going up and I end up in the assembly room, especially early on in October when the games are and I have the game, the games are here, the games are going to be Detroit, Vancouver, San Jose and Florida. That's a decent number of games, like a decent yeah. number of uh, quality teams uh, out of those four. If I'm in the assembly room for any of those, I'm furious because early on, there's not going to be anyone in this. And there's no one. And if there's no one going to be in this in the stands here until January at the earliest, like when you really get the, a feel for how this team is going. Um, I think this is a great idea that needs a little bit of tinkering uh, early on. But at the end of the day, it's twenty five dollars a ticket. Can't really beat it, I guess. No, you can. I mean, listen, they have to be creative. And this isn't something that's geared towards like so much families and all that stuff. This is geared to people like, hey, you know what? Like um, there's a couple hey, they're like, hey, look, you're you're a younger guy who, you know, is, is finding his way. You live in an apartment somewhere in Philadelphia. Like, hey, look, you know, I'm going to buy a couple games. We're going to go to a couple Flyers games. It's something to do. This yeah. this seems to me like, hey, look, we're going to sell tickets as something for somebody, something to do. Like that's yeah. that's what it that's what and, it seems and, like. And to, and to be clear here too, like you can buy two of them at one eighty or whatever the two hundred one ninety eight or whatever, and you're guaranteed those two seats will be together. It sounds like from my interpretation. By the way, I also have the November. So they've already released the October November series. So like I said, I mentioned the October ones. The November ones are the St. Louis Blues, Ottawa Senators. So you get to see the the return, the return of, of Giroux. Uh, you get to the, the Dallas Stars and the Calgary Flames. That's decent. Like these again, those are good, those are good quality really, opponents. It really comes down to where you're sitting. Like if you're in the upper bowl or the lower bowl, it's totally worth it. But if I'm going up to the assembly room, I think that I I, I I'd be kind of pissed. I think those, those tickets are twenty five bucks anyway. So you're yeah, getting at true. least your dollar. You get your your dollar back. Your you know like your your values if you're getting in the bowl. So, yeah. I mean, that that's the way I look at it. it you know, you, the assembly row is really a neat experience from what I, you know, I've done that. I will tell before. Yeah. It, it's we a were good up there experience. For one of the, we were up there for one of the Sixers playoff games against Miami this past year, the past season. It's a nice. cool experience. Yeah. And we walked around it uh, pregame before the Flyers games. It's a, it's a cool environment, but yeah. like. It is a cool environment if you have people to go with. Like if you're if right. you are that guy that you're talking about who's finding his way in the city, is a hockey fan and just wants to go to a games every once in a while. This the, I don't know how much the assembly room is worth it. Unless you're unless you're super I would have bought it. <laughs> unless you're super yeah, unless you're super social and able to mingle with people easily. Yeah. Like I think that's where it's worth it and yeah. yeah, yeah. Possibly. And like look, it's it's a, it's I look at this as the Flyers are they can't market the team and market it. Hey, we're gonna give you some tickets. It's something to do. It's something yeah. to do. Like it really, like you know, it, it, if this is a way that's gonna work for them, I think more of the kickback is the people who are the season ticket holders are paying more than that for every game. But at the same time, they're guaranteed their seat. They're guaranteed yep. their ticket. And you know, you talk about the thing. So it's not just a hundred dollars to go if you're not taking public transportation. You got to park. And yep. then, you know, chances are you're probably going to have a beer during the game or, you know, some sort of refreshment or concession, which is an extra money on that. So, it's you know, people are looking at the face value on that. And I just I think that it's something for people to do to get out and socialize and hang out and say, hey, look, a bunch of us are going to sign up for this. Why don't we get our tickets together or whatnot and, you know, go and watch a couple games. It's something to do. And especially if you're up on Assembly Row or Revolutionary Row, really, you're not even paying attention to too much of the game. You're just kind of more there for the social environment anyway i know i i I, that's the way it's designed and the seats are really where you're like really hanging out watching the games of fes me so but if you get a lower level seat against a team like calgary that's a pretty pretty neat experience it's a pretty neat experience i if you always sit up high or anything i always recommend sit down low me personally i like to sit up high i've always sat in the 200 level for a reason because I get to see the, uh, I used to, I like watching the entire play develop. Not so much from a broadcast angle, but just uh, from a hockey perspective. When you're down lower, you kind of miss some things here and there. So yeah. that's the way. I, but I, I highly recommend if you ever get an opportunity to sit down low and enjoy a game, do it. I, I don't remember what the show's name was, but uh, Bill Simmons from The Ringer 
when he first joined up with HBO, he had a Sunday night show where he brought on guests and sometimes comedians, like random people to talk about sports. He brought on Gretzky and Bill Burr, the comedian. And Bill Burr said the exact same thing. And by the way, I agree with you. I like being high up because I like to see the play develop. Bill Burr, to Wayne Gretzky, mind you, said this exact same thing. And Wayne Gretzky, without skipping a beat, because he's the great one, says, see, I like like sitting low and I can see the exact same thing that he says that he wants to say. (laughs) And Bill Burr is like, yeah, all right, you son of a bitch. Like, you're the great one. Like, obviously. Yeah, Yeah, obviously, you made your office behind the net and made the play from there. Yeah. Like and I, I I get it too. Like I, I get it. Like I for when you're when you're down near the glass, it's a really great experience because it's, it's fast, cool it's intense. Yeah, oh, it's it's a, it's a great experience. But like for me, like as a hockey guy, like watching like all the things, like I I enjoy sitting the whole thing because you know I think that when we went to we went to a game this past season against the Rangers. Yep. And I remember like as soon as like, and it was one of the lowest seats I've had in a while. We were pretty glow. We were right behind with the net yep. where the Rangers shot at twice. And it was I remember right before the game winner was scored, I saw the crowd of players coming in front of Carter Hart and I saw the puck go back to the play. I'm like, uh oh, that's not good. And all of a sudden the puck's in the net. And I just remember sitting, I'm like, that's why I enjoy sitting up a little bit higher because you kind of say, like, Oh snap, like there's the screen set up, there's a shot in the point, and Hart never see it. And like you know, being a being a goalie as I am, as I've played, from mm-hmm. knowing it from that perspective, you know what's about to happen. That's why, like, I enjoy seeing them because I I can see how the play can puck and get to the net. Like, you know, so uh, that's just my opinion. But I think the I think the value is great for average people. And unfortunately, there's two things. You know, with inflation, you know, the way that that that's that whole thing is. This is a great value for people to get out there and get out there to a game. And you know, I I have to give really Comcast and the Flyers some credit here for really thinking of something that's clever. Like this is it's outside yeah. the box. That's for sure. Yeah, that for like, sure. It, it's got to be. You got to get it's yes a cool thing. You got to watch it if you sign up in October and you find yourself not finding it worth it because you'll automatically be charged for not the $99 fee in for the November game. So you got to make sure you really stay on it. Otherwise, you're going to get uh, dinged for the additional what would be total for 200 bucks for eight games. Right. Which sounds like a pretty good deal. Like at, like I said at the start of it, basically, you're a, it's a fancy it's a it's a more random season ticket package. Like mm-hmm. that's what it is at the end of the day. If you t- stick with it through October to March or whenever it ends. I think it goes all the way to the end of the season in March. Here's my question though. And this is, this is where I laughed in the, the flyers got a little bit of kickback, not based on the package and the tickets, but their social media team decided to turn off replies to be able to, to comment on the pack, like the promotion itself. Now, look, Twitter had added this feature for a reason. It's for situations when you don't want anyone to reply or you can select who can reply. But when you're a public figure, whether you're a politician, a sports team, whoever, if you turn off your replies, you kind of look cowardly because even if you know like what the replies are going to be and in the Flyers case, the, 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 the replies were going to be. 95% to 99% negative about mm-hmm. going to a Flyers game in when we're talking about August, slash early September. I get it. You can't turn off your, your replies, Flyers guy, Flyers social media team. I'm sorry. You look like cowards no. because yeah. you can't handle the criticism as a team, especially in a city like Philadelphia. Like you have to be able to take care of your or understand like this is just part of the deal. It looks Correct. very cowardly. Correct. And I think that's the disconnect that people are people are mad that it that shows more of that disconnect from the fans. Yeah. That's what it proves. Yeah. You, you know, you, you can you ever imagine the Eagles turning off their uh their thing after a loss or whatnot? Yeah. I'm trying to think if they've like I think every team, whether they've intentionally or unintentionally have done it. I might be wrong on that. I don't think the Eagles have. Can you imagine you know that? That would be yeah. on the radio waves for three months. Yeah. Like, I can't believe the Eagles. Like, they just went ahead and they turned off their comments. Mike, what do you think about that? Like, you know, like, uh, I was trying to do my moral thing. It didn't work there. Um, but it's the truth. Like, can, I look, no professional franchise should turn off their comments. Now, you can select comments and report them if they're inappropriate and stuff like that. But yeah, we're not. I, we're not, not a fan of that. Like, that's that's not something yeah. you do, man. We're not advocating like the 
the trolls that are telling like to do oddball threats or whatever, like to be able to have a right to say something like the flyers have a right to protect themselves from that BS. But like the average fan, that's just like, I wouldn't pay this for this package. If you made it $50, like, yeah, that's, like you like, should pay me those, to a hundred dollars to go to a game. Like, right, comments like, like those that. kind of quips you should be able to handle, handle and not right? like, uh, uh, do anything with like the prime of, of, of social media, of, on in the flyers case and it was when they were again run by it was before uh ed snyder mr snyder passed away they were having fun with it obviously ed snyder probably had nothing to do with the social media team but if you're a fan of the walking dead one of the actors was a detroit fan and they tweeted during a flyers red wings game let's go uh red wings and the flyers social media team if you're familiar with the show walking dead they retweeted let's go lucille the bat that ended up killing off this actor's character and like that is incredible like that is a great back and forth of twitter and now we're talking about how in 2022 this team decided to turn off their replies to a season package of tickets a, a ticket package that they're offering to fans just cowardly like flyers you can't be doing this like it i under understand you don't want to be if you're that 26 year old uh social media not intern because these are the, the the common misconception is all of these social media accounts are run by interns they're not right. they're run by real like employees that went to marketing school or whatever they got a degree to do this stuff you can't turn off the replies correct you have to just correct. look at it and handle it and move about your day right or just mute it like there's a mute button that you will never see the replies so that that's the fun thing is though is to chirp back and i i yep. can see from the flyers perspective hey look we might want to turn this off because you know it's going to come right down our throats to season ticket holders we don't want to do anything more to piss them off well, hello, you're going to piss them off anyway. Yeah, you know, they're not going to be happy. I just, just man up and take it. Like, you know what I mean? If you're going to do something like this, like, just say, like, hey, look, or market it differently. Hey, look, this is for package for people who don't get to come to games off or something along those lines. Like, want to find something to do. You got to be creative. Hey, look, because I, I could see why on their end they wanted to turn it off because the season tick holders are probably looking at this as a slap in the face. I, yep. I believe that. Um, but at the same time, you know, but they, at the end that's, of the day, like the season ticket holders are guaranteed their seats of where they go, whether they're in the upper bowl or lower bowl. I don't even think correct. they offer a season ticket correct. package in the assembly room. Like you're guaranteed I'm, I'm, those seats. Right. Like, and I'm they, not sitting you, here marking pity yeah. on them. I'm, I'm making a I'm not. That's my point. My point is, is that, you know what? Like this is something where they can try to find creative ways to fill the arena because yeah. they got this newly renovated arena. That that's going to be a problem in a couple of years. That's for sure. And yeah, they got to figure that's out. going to be interesting <laughs> over the lifespan of this podcast as we get deeper and in, into the year seven and eight and nine of this podcast as yeah. we plan on to have this on planned out. Two thousand and two hundred thirty-two. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it's going to be very interesting what the Wells Fargo Center looks like over the next couple of years. Now that it's official that the Sixers are leaving in twenty thirty-one. I want to say maybe earlier. I can't remember exactly when they plan on having that stadium built uh allegedly in center city that's a debate for a different day um but yeah like the flyers are in a precarious spot to say the least for the uh, over the next decade like it's going to be very interesting because one you have to get good again if you're not good you are in serious serious shit and if you are a terrible franchise when the team that has been putting all of those butts in seats in the wells fargo center ups and leaves for their own arena and it's solely on you plus the other events like the circus or whatever other crap that they do with the villanova games they do in the, well, the circus goes from october to june or yeah, actually yeah, that's April. very true that's very true <laughs> yeah that version of the circus that nobody <laughs> wants that's the horror right. show of it's, circus. it's circus on, on ice yeah it's american horror story circus <laughs> So, yeah, like you're in that's a serious debate that we're going to be having over the next couple of years of what the Flyers do if like the Wells Fargo Center just I mean, the the good thing is Comcast Spectacor owns it like the team, the 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 same company that owns you owns the stadium. So it's a little bit of a you're fine in one sense, but at the same time, you're, you're not fine because the money's going to go out the window. Like yep. it's out yep. the door. So yep. it's going to be interesting debate. Uh, uh, so, so if you can take. afford it, buy those $99 seats for the month of October and November and see what you can get out of it. Hot take for another episode. Sit on this for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. When that deal expires, that's when they sell the team. 
I mean, that, I don't think that's a hot take. I think that's a good take. Good take. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think, think that's. I, really think it's I think it's the game plan. Milk it now, and yeah. when the lease is up, sell it. Yeah, because then you're probably guaranteeing the Flyers a new stadium too, whether it's in South Philly gotta, or wherever. You have a 40 year old building at that point. Yeah, that's a good take. That, I like that. that. 35 year old building. Listen, the vet was 35 years old when it got when it got torn down. Yeah. Right around there. So yeah. I was built in 1971, torn down in what 2000, 2004, Three. 2005, 2003. Yeah, yeah, 2000. Yeah, so 32 years old. Four. So I don't remember. Yeah, man. And listen, so I don't think that that's far of a take. That hey, look, if they if they can secure a new arena deal, they might offload at that time. If yeah. the team is going to be coming should. around, like the Wells Fargo Center is not even with the upgrades. It's still not that great of an arena compared to the other ones I've been to. Like it's a it's fine, but like we're talking about a building that was built in 1996. 1996. So like it's, it's due as they say, you're due for an upgrade at some point. So, yeah, but I mean, think about it too. Just as a side note, not to go on a tangent here, but yeah, as a side note, I mean, the link that's 2003. I mean, that's, that's 20 year old building now. Well, so I've that since bank park, that's almost a 20 year building. That's 2004. So, yeah. I mean, they're, it's not like any buildings new, new down there. They're newer, but they're not yeah. new, new. The so, good thing I mean, is like, and and I like the good thing is like the the newer buildings that were built in the two thousands on, and not just in Philly, but like two thousand and on. Like those are very sustainable. Like you can yeah. do the modifications that you've seen, like the the Wells Fargo, right. or excuse me, the link closed that one gap there on both ends to add a couple of thousand seats mm-hmm. and just general modifications to make it more state of the art or keep it to that state of the art uh, level. Yeah. Like the Wells Fargo Center hasn't done that until the last four, four three or four years because right. they, they realized the Sixers were leaving yeah. and that's where they got the upgrades. Like the Flyers yeah. aren't the reason for these upgrades. The Sixers were. No, like, the Sixers we, were. That's yeah. crazy to me. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. absolutely crazy. So it's it's yeah. going to be a very, very interesting uh, debate as we yep. cross the end of episode 122 here of Orange and Backcheck and on episode 1000 is the episode where we say, hey, by the way, the Sixers left and we still have no idea where the Flyers are going to play in 2020, yep. Yep. 2020. They're going to uh, play across the street in the parking lot over a sheet of ice. They're going to put a hose down. At that point, they just play at a couple of bleachers up. What's that? They just play at the skate zone and they just fit the fans that side on, on that. At that point, end. they'll just move the Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That'll be a fun debate. All right. Oh, we are going boy. on a r- random tangent yeah, we here. Went but all keep- over. This is what happens when you have a team that's expected to finish bottom five, even though they're wrong. So, yeah. uh, you know, that's what happens when you get to late well, you in the episodes the expectations. So that's really what this comes down to. By by December, I think people will be singing a different tune on what this team looks like. You know what? Even myself. And- and listen, listen, I'm not one to shove it in people's throats and be like, ah, you crow. I told you you're wrong on stuff. I'm just look, I, I like hockey. I'm a hockey guy. I look at this as from a step back. Could I be wrong? Absolutely. Well, I bust my own ass if I if I'm wrong. Yeah, sure. I, I was wrong. <laughs> but I get again. I'm the same guy who said last season this team would get to a conference final. Yeah, and that didn't even come remotely close to happening. So, <laughs> you know, it's not like my predictions have been wrong before. I just I. I see the potential there, so I, yeah. I really, really do it. This this team, this team has no shot to get to a conference final this year. I, I will say that, but I do think this team can be a playoff team. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. We'll see how it goes. Uh, all right, that is going to do it for episode one twenty two of Orange and Backcheck. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you rate us on Apple and Spotify. Just give us quick five stars. It's quick and easy, easy to do. Helps the podcast a ton when it comes to promotion and rankings and all that good stuff. Uh, shoot us an email, orangeandbackcheck at gmail If you have a question, if your thoughts on what's going to happen after the Wells Fargo Center is demolished by the Sixers in twenty thirty, uh, and follow us on social. <laughs> media all of it is on our bio below twitter facebook instagram at orange and backcheck at o backcheck at orange and backcheck podcast all that good stuff thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you next time just one announcement before we go to yes e-a-g-l-e-f-e-g-l-e-f-e-g-l-e-f-e-g-l-e-f-e-g-l-e-f-e-g-l-e-f-e-g-l-e-f-e-g-l-e-f-e-g-l-e-f-e-g-l-